Hi, all you reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. So what happens when you have a career um, that you love? You may have reinvented yourself into that career, but you run into a health crisis. How do you move that into something that still works for you, still energizes you, still is creative, still makes it interesting for you to get out of bed or stay in bed, depending on your health crisis, every day. I have Carrie Leskowitz, who is so interesting because she started out as a psychologist. That's what she studied in, in college. And then she ended up in interior design, working with her mother, who was an interior designer. And then she ran into a health crisis that didn't let her necessarily be doing everything that she wanted to do. Luckily, she had already started her coaching license because she was interested in understanding more about herself. And she ended up marrying the two into her current business. So what's really interesting is she is a interior design person, but she's also a coach. And she says that her business comes from both, 50-50 from both. So people hire her as a coach, people hire her as an interior designer. And she can use her psychology skills and her coaching skills to create environments that are more emotionally pleasing and joyful and happiness, happy or soothing for clients than if she didn't have it. I think it's also a great story about what happens when you're a coach. As we know, and I'm, I'm around tons and tons of coaches, sometimes I'm like, there are a million coaches out there. What makes you different? I think she's got a real hook on if you want to become a coach or are a coach, how to make yourself stand out in a different way, in a way that you find joy, but it may be marrying two things together that gives you a particular twist or a niche. Anyway, uh, she ended up writing a book all about this, um, which is great, called Home for the Home, which you can find on Amazon. So here is Carrie. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Carrie, glad to have you here today. Hi, Leslie. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So we were talking about your new book and how well it's doing and how you held it. Let's let's start there and then we'll go into um, talking about your personal reinvention and then how people can reinvent their environment to give them energy and joy. Okay. Um, I had been working on this book, Home for the Home, for two and a half years, and it was really ready to come out in July, but people were just starting to get their lives back and leaving their home, so I felt like it really wasn't the right time over the summer, unless it was a beach read, which it's not, Um, so I made the difficult decision to hold it till September, but of course, I think it was the right decision, and I'm just so grateful that it's resonating with people and that my little book is doing well. What's the name of the book and where can we find it? Because you self-published, right? I did. It's called Ohm for the Home and it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, on my website, CarrieLeskowitzInteriors.com. There is a link to all of the places that you can purchase the book. 
And so why did you end up self-publishing? Because I have a lot of writers um, or people who want to be writers um, who are listeners. You know, I go into things very naively. And I started writing the book because I was, that's, I guess, part of my reinvention story. But I wanted to be creative and I kind of had to pivot. I really didn't know what was involved. And I thought, let me write a book. I didn't have the wherewithal to start sending my manuscript to publishers. And the research told me that you can be equally as successful self-publishing. So I thought, let me just do this on my own and not worry about feeling rejected or getting no's or anything standing in my way. If it was up to me, I knew it would get done. So I didn't really understand what it was going to take to self-publish and the marketing of, um, you know, marketing a book that you've self-published, but I'm learning and it's fine. Okay, that's great. Um, And then that's good advice for other people too. It's always more, it's the marketing that's difficult. It's the same thing when I started Cubby Club and I did crowdfunding on iFundWomen And I didn't know that basically you have to go out and reach out to everybody. It's not like you just put it up there and all these people show up. I don't know what I was thinking. Exactly. But you put a book out and, you know, getting the word out and having people find it is it's 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 just a lot of work. Sure. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about you and your reinvention and how did you end up as you're both a life coach and an interior designer. So what did you go to school for? Psychology. Psychology. <laughs> I see that. Temple. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and so I did sort of have a full circle moment. Okay. Did you actually, did you become a psychologist at all? No, no. I studied psychology and enjoyed it, but knew full well that I wasn't going to go on and get a master's. And at that time, if you really weren't going to go on, um, you know, there was really, I I wasn't going to move on in that field, I think, in the way I had wanted to. And I always loved fashion. So I ended up shifting gears um, and working for a woman who did fashion show production um, in Philadelphia, where I live. And I loved that. And I had done uh, visual merchandising. So I left Temple and I went to the Art Institute where I studied visual merchandising and I um, became a fashion show coordinator and producer. I traveled with Brides Magazine doing Ah, big bridal fashion shows Okay, and, um, you know, did some uh, styling for photo shoots, catalogs and such. And all the work was moving to out of Philly and to New York. And at that time, I had two sons, two small sons. And I was about, I was going to start my own production company, but that was sort of right around the due date of one of my sons. So I decided to go into interior design. My mother was an interior designer. She was dabbling. My mom, very creative. And um, she had a few clients. So I said, let's, you know, make it official. Let's make it a business. And my mom and I went into business together. And 
I, that was really nice till my mom said, I can't do it anymore. And so I just, <laughs> the stress is too much for me. Uh-huh. And um, so I kept going and I'm still an interior designer today. That was many, many years ago. And about five years ago, I became a life coach because I was feeling stuck in an area of my life and I really wanted tools And I was finding that I had been in therapy and they weren't really giving me tools, concrete things I could put in place to make changes. Yeah, that's the big interesting thing about about coaching, which I didn't understand until I until I got to know a lot of coaches is that that really is the missing part about about psychotherapy is that it's all looking back which is great. You have to understand your motivation, but they really don't help you move forward. A hundred percent. And I was spinning my wheels and it's great to look back to understand, but we don't live in the past. And I think you make peace and, you know, how can I build upon that and do better? So I became a life coach. I studied with Martha Beck and it it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And I thought, even if I never practiced, because I didn't go into it necessarily thinking I was going to then become a life coach. I loved being an interior designer, um, but I did it for me. And then as I was working in interior design, I had this new language and I started seeing things in my clients' homes or in their life that was reflected um, one with the other. So if there was something going on in their life, often I found it reflected in their home. And Mm. if there was something going on in their home, I then often found it reflected in their life to Mm. some degree, one mirrored the other. So I started coaching design clients and it was just so fascinating to me that things that I saw and learned. So I was able to give my design clients not only a transformative um, solution to their home, but something else going on in their life, a transformation of their heart or their mind. So this was something I truly loved and I felt like this is a cool niche. And I was doing that and loving it. And long story short, simultaneously, I slowly was not starting, I was starting not to feel well. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease And it really like hit me hard and I couldn't work anymore. I mean, I could barely get out of bed and I couldn't walk. It was, I I went through some dark days, but in those dark days, I said, all right, what can I do? I can't design. I couldn't, you know, walk, let alone run around and take the stress of it. And I wasn't like, I couldn't life coach because I just didn't have the mental wherewithal. It was taking all my energy to figure out what to do. And I was going from doctor to doctor. So I said, I still want to maintain a level of creativity. And that's when I decided to write the book because I could be at home. And if I didn't, you know, feel like I could get out of bed that day, I could still write on my computer. Right. And that's what I did. And it became a really cathartic experience. I still went to all my doctors and I became such an advocate for my health. And I saw even further, and it was reinforced, the connection um, that our mind, body, and spirit and living space 
are all pillars of wellness. And one doesn't um, preclude the other. And my home became such a place of healing. And that was really the message that I wanted to um, send out in my book, that OM, our home, our soul, our body, as well as our home, it's all one. It's all connected. I feel that way. My home is so important to me. You know, my husband makes fun of me because I have to have my bed made and I have to have my pillows in a certain way. And he's always asking me when the pillow police are coming. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? It makes me feel like I have a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning, a new possibility. Blank slate, start over. 100%. And that's what studies say. Yeah. If you take care of yourself, you're bound to take care of your home. You know, what kind of things would you see in people's homes? Um, that alerted you to what was going on in their, in their mental health? Um, I mean, the obvious one is clutter. Uh You know, when you saw clutter, you always knew that was sort of a red flag. Mm -hmm. But what interested me more, you know, there's a lot of talk about clutter. What interested me, what I became interested in, (laughs) is like mental clutter, was yeah. the um, the thoughts in our head, the toxic, you know, relationships that I started to hear some of my clients having. You become intimate with people when you work in their home and you get right. to know their family. Right. Um, so, so there were so many times where you know a room in their home was sort of mirroring something going on in their mind or um, maybe they weren't treating themselves well, or they didn't have a self-care routine. Therefore, they weren't necessarily taking care of their house as well as they could. Hmm. So it was just things I started to notice. And because you meet people where they are, I would ask them, you know, I see something here. Do you want to coach around this? And sometimes they would say yes. And sometimes they would say no. There are studies because I've heard them cited actually was my, um, I have a TM teacher who does, we do meditation every morning with a big group and he likes to teach all these little things, but he actually brought up all these studies about clutter and how they actually impact your brain and impact your ability to think straight, that there is a, there is a back and forth between your environment. They've studied it. Oh, there is. I mean, if you, you know, live in chaos of clutter, yeah. you know, your cortisol levels can get higher, yes, you're yes. more stressed out, your, you know, your immune system is affected, and then your brain's affected. This is why it just became so fascinating to me. I was working on gut health at the time, and, you know, gut health needs to be balanced. And it's not unlike your home needing good balance and chi. Um, for good flow, for good feelings, and that that in turn makes you feel calmer and better. It's so interesting. Like I had no idea that they'd actually studied it, but it's really, it's getting bigger and bigger. There's a study now. um, It's an, it's a fairly new category, which I'm fascinated with um, neuroaesthetics and how our brain behaves when we view something beautiful. It's like oh. the study of beauty. And this is why I, I espouse the importance of surrounding yourself with beautiful things. You know, we all deem things beautiful in different ways, but the importance of really 
looking at that and questioning things in your home. Is everything beautiful? Do you love it? Does it have a purpose? You behave differently. Your brain functions differently. So what kind of things, if people are listening and they're like you, they may have had a business and then they ran into a health issue, very common Mm -hmm. after 40, some Mm -hmm. kind of thing. What kind of tips and tricks would you give them about reinventing in a way that still works with, you know, for your health issue? Were, Were there any sort of learning insights you had? I mean, I think for me, I just, it was the small wins when I wasn't feeling well and the small things that I felt like I had control over. I always had control over my environment. So every day, you know, my husband would come home from work and I would have moved something around, (laughs) like moving things and purging things. I tell a story in the book, I was um, in my bed for more time than I care to talk about. And I was watching a TV in my armoire, which, you know, we did 20 years ago, we put a TV in an armoire. Nobody does that anymore. And I was looking at this TV in the armoire. I couldn't see without my glasses, but my glasses weren't distance glasses. And I was seeing like remnants of, you know, mismatched socks. And, you know, it was like all of a sudden I had this aha moment. Sometimes we just stop seeing things in our environment. And I was like, I would never do this for a client. This is not okay anymore. Why would I do this for me? So I went out and I got um, a big TV and we hung it on the wall and I got a beautiful sideboard and I collected some things that I loved from around the house and put them on the sideboard so that I didn't change my health, but I changed my experience when I was in my home. And I think it's really about that. What will it take to change your experience in the areas that you do have control over. And that goes for the people you surround yourself with, the things you eat, everything should just support a healthy journey. And for people who are not attuned to that, like, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about how color and texture affect, they may be oblivious to the fact that these things can actually mean something to you and light yeah. I mean, just because I'm, I'm so oriented towards all those things. Again, all my family make fun of me. And now that my daughter and son have moved out on their own, they're like, oh, I get it. They're like, oh, where did you get that soft blanket? It's like, okay, yeah. now you're getting it. But do you want to talk a little bit about those three things? Yeah, I think to start, it's really about creating an awareness Um, I say that our home is a feeling state. So you need to become aware of how things make you feel. And there's an exercise in the book that I just, I use, it's like a mind body compass. And I just question everything. What do I want for dinner? How does this blanket make me feel? What's the light like? Always say to yourself, how does this make me feel? And you do have to sort of go inward and really start understanding that mind-body connection. But once you get it, you can then say, you know what, this room feels dark. It's not making me feel good. It's the awareness of how things make you feel. 
we want to sort of pay attention to the circadian rhythm in our life and how light affects us. You know, the, the more natural light, the better task lighting when we're doing things, especially as we get older and our eyes get older, we need that. Um, the touch of a blanket or a pillow or, you know, having amazing bedding, it changes your experience. So I would just say as my overarching answer, understand how everything makes you feel. Do you think that there are some people who are just oblivious to that? Or do you think that it's because they haven't been taught it? Or do you think it really doesn't matter for some people? I think if you're not sensitive to it, you haven't been taught it. I do think there's a lot of people who just have no mind-body connection. Um, but you can always learn it. Like you can always learn something new. Start anywhere. Start tomorrow. And, you know, learn tools to be able to connect. I'm having this thought. How is it making me feel in my body? You know, I love um, Apple watches. You can, I think, I don't know if you set the timer. I don't have an Apple watch, but I know it does it. Um, it tells you to breathe. Like oh yeah, it, I've heard that a lot. I've heard yeah. about that. So that's such an awesome thing because it takes people out of their every day and all of a sudden the bell goes off and you have to stop and you have to, you're made aware in that moment of how you feel. And sometimes people just, you know, they're anxious all day. They're stressed all day. They don't even realize they're going, you know, 20 miles an hour. So it just makes you stop and breathe. And in that moment, you can say, how am I feeling? Oh my God, I feel stressed. Like you don't stop and think. So it's, it's an awareness that we can always develop. And it's really important, I believe. Do you think the same interior items affect everybody the same, or do you think it's individual? Like do certain colors affect certain people the same way, or is it universal? Or do certain textures affect certain people the same way? Or again, is that purely individual? Well, you know, I believe rules are like guidelines. So there is a psychology to color and different colors emote different feelings. Um, having said that, and those are kind of basic rules, but we all behave differently. We all think differently. We all feel differently. So while, you know, I may want a calm environment that's all neutral, I, you know, unapologetically love beige. So my house is like mostly beige. Um, and a lot of people would say, well, that's very calming. That's calming for me. But I know people that love to live in like riotous color. And that's, I mean, seems a little activating to me, but it's expressing their authenticity. And when you express your authenticity in your home, then you're getting joy from that. So they might not need what I need. So, I so the answer to your question is yes and no. You know, we all love the touch of like cashmere or, you know, something super soft. And we're all going to that's all going to register for us the same way. Um, but I think the way we decorate our home is a matter of how we want the world to see who we believe we are. And that looks different for everyone.
Yeah, I live in New Orleans now, having been in New York my whole life. We moved down here two years ago. And one of the really interesting things is most New Orleanians like tons of color, tons of slick surfaces, tons of stuff all over the walls, tons of, they are like on, you know? And I have one of the few beige, white, calm, gray houses. And it's so, I feel like, you know, like I'm a fish out of water because it's just not, it's not the culture. The culture here is riotous and fun and, you know, like a stage set in many people's houses. It's so different, just culturally different. That's so interesting because when I think of like the homes that I've seen that were in New Orleans, I think of like a lot of beige and neutrals and antiques and wrought iron. (laughs) Like that's what I think. I don't think, you know, riotous color and bright, you know, lots of pattern. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's just, it, maybe it's just where we're living, but it, I think it's, well, no, cause we looked at houses in different places yeah, and I'm they have to all go back have and the look. same thing. Yeah. It tends to be very, um, lots of color on, I mean, and real, not, I'm not, when I was up North, I had pale colors on the wall, but these are like bright red, bright purple, bright, dark green. You know, it's very, very um, strong. Everything's very, very strong, which is very interesting. So can you change someone's mood, Carrie? I mean, like if you have a problem with depression or you have a problem, um, you know, some kind of emotional thing, do you think that by putting you into a different environment, it can um, actually serve as a tool for you? Sure. If, you know, I think it's really putting systems in place. If you're depressed, Um, you know, if you're overwhelmed, certainly an environment that you deem calming. And again, you know, soft colors, warm colors, lots of texture, you know, having the tactile experience, I think is very comforting. Um, Just creating an environment that feels cozy to you, sort of, I, again, can bring your cortisol levels down, your stress levels down, and just enables you to breathe. One of the things I tell my clients when I go into homes that are just full of tons of stuff is you need to take things away in order to let everything stand on its own. You're creating that flow I talked about, and the energy can move through and around things. And you're just creating a better sense of calm. I definitely find that. (laughs) Yeah. And um, also, I just think that, you know, we lived in a, we grew up in an age of clutter. That was kind of the look, you know, it was that all things all over the place and all that. And um, what about through transition, Carrie? Say you're going to empty nest. Say you're going to, I found I had a, leave my place. I found, you know, my house, I was there for 24 years. It was the house of my dreams out in uh, Larchmont, New York. And we had a wonderful time raising our family there. 
But I found I had to leave, and I never thought I would have done this or said this, because when I moved in there, I thought this is where I'm going to be forever. Mm-hmm. But I found it was haunting me with ghosts of my children, because it was all about my children, and I could not move on. I could not kind of grow into this next phase of becoming who I was going to be once they were gone, without every time turning to my side and looking, you know, and going, oh, that's where the bassinet was. Or that's where I, and I just was like, I have to change location and I need a whole new scheme and I have to start over as me. Have you ever heard that before? Well, actually there's a story just like that in the book. I do case studies um, in the book along with my journey and exercises. And um, very early on in the book, I talk about a client, Kathy, and I was doing a um, vacation home for her. And we did all the foundation pieces, uh, easy peasy. And it came time to do the icing on the cake, the accessories, the art, you know, the pillows, the fun stuff, the stuff that imbues imbues your personality into a space. This is where you're going to tell people who you are. And she, she was stuck. And she couldn't tell me what she wanted. And I had shown her so many different things. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I realized that she was a new empty nester. And so this is uh, also a good um, example of how our home, you know, reflects what's going on in our lives. She was stuck and she was, she lost her identity. Her kids had just gone off her youngest to college. And now she wasn't, you know, a mom, so to speak, in the way she had been before. And she didn't know who she was without that role. And it was reflected in her home because she didn't want to put things in her home that she didn't feel good about, but she didn't know what she felt good about. So it was now an opportunity, I explained, for her to really give thought to who is she? Who's she going to be in this next chapter? How is she going to reinvent herself as somebody who's the mother of adult children, and how is she going to express that in her home? So the identity of her home stayed simple and bare um, and white until she was able to figure that out. And, you know, some people get so depressed and upset about it, but I just kept reinforcing what an amazing opportunity is to really go back and discover yourself in a way that you may not have before when, you know, you're older now, you, you know, your priorities and what fulfills you is different. Let's look at that. That's great. Now for people who are thinking about reinventing the way that you did um, and say they have, I mean, they could have any kind of business um, really, I guess, and add coaching to it. You went into the coaching for yourself, but you ended up using it and marrying it to your business. What was the trick about that? That because it's kind of unusual, I think. So you're my, you know, you're my my interior decorator and a coach. I think that's kind of cool and different. No. Yeah, yeah, and that's my niche. I I went into coaching to heal myself, something in myself, an area that I felt stuck in. But then, you know, I saw this language and I thought, this is really interesting. And it took me back to my psychology days, which I really enjoyed. 
And now this is what sets me apart. Um, so I would say, really, you have to know yourself authentically. And then what do you value? What fulfills you? What gives you purpose and meaning? And as I was going back and healing myself and discovering these new things that I was enjoying, I, I just kept taking baby steps, even though I didn't always understand, you know, the full picture, but I just kept baby stepping my way to the book and the joy that I am now getting now out of having written the book and talking about it and helping people look at their environment and themselves in a completely new and different way. So when you get hired today, do you get hired mostly as a coach or interior designer? Um, well, now that people have a little bit of a better understanding of the kind of coaching I do, it's about 50-50. Huh. Like okay. It used to be that people would hire me as a designer, and then I'd say, you know, I'm seeing something here. <laughs> um, but I did just recently get hired because somebody, you know, heard me at a, at a talk, and I was saying, you know, look at areas so I would say to anybody listening, you know, look at areas in your home where you feel some level of dissatisfaction. And so somebody heard me say that. So they reached out and they said, you know, there's this area in my house. So we started coaching. Uh -huh. And then we once we cleared that up, we were able to decorate accordingly. Interesting. Like I was afraid to go into we had a garage. There was a studio above the garage that we were gonna make into, a, this is my old house, we were gonna make into an office space that we never got around to because we we're so busy. And we put a bed up there and we put some stuff and we've kind of forgot about it because we we're in the mm -hmm. heart of raising kids. And I remember I got to the point where I said to Jeff, you gotta go over there and look and see if there's like, you know, a leaking ceiling or whatever. And he's like, why can't you go there? I was like, I'm too afraid. <laughs> I'm like, I became my boogeyman. It was like a nightmare. I was afraid of what was in there. And then we renovated it eventually when my son needed a place. Um, he needed a studio outside of the house and um, that worked out great. But yes, those kind of things, and they can haunt you. Yeah, about exactly. Your house. You're afraid to go in a basement. You're afraid. To exactly. Go. Why? What's the root cause? How's right. it making you feel? Interesting. Yeah. But I like, a lot of people have that, that scary spot in their house. Right. Right. And what are you putting in there and mentally? But I like the idea also, because um, we're almost at end time here. I meet so many women who have gone into coaching. They're very happy about it, but they're in this generic coaching area. Mm -hmm. They're not, they don't have anything that sets them apart. So I like the idea that maybe what they can listen to you from you here too, is to take whatever their previous expertise is and not dump it, but maybe that is, maybe there's a marriage there that makes you a more interesting coach and also makes you more unique in a way that you can sell yourself. I mean, the one thing I know for sure is you always have to have a niche you know, and when you take all these marketing classes and you get online and, you know, what sets you apart, what makes you different? It's like, you know, designers are a dime a dozen and life coaches are. I knew when I went into coaching, if I wanted to coach people, I didn't want to talk about business. I didn't want to talk about trauma. You know, that wasn't anything I was interested in. So I was able to marry my two loves. And now I'm just so deeply fulfilled by that. 
That's super. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I so appreciate it. This has really been helpful. And I, I bet you all those people out there who are thinking about being coaches or have just become coaches will be inspired. Um, and then also, I wish I'd known you when I was terrified of going into my, uh, <laughs> my little attic above the garage. I would have had a lot less anxiety. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leslie. So thank you for listening to this talk with Carrie. I thought that was a really interesting twist on being a life coach, how you can make yourself different, how you can find a niche, how you can make your business even more pleasing to you and to your clients. I thought it was great. If you are interested in more about reinvention, I hope you will subscribe to the podcast. I hope that you will leave us a comment and leave us a review. And I hope you will share us with people you know who are thinking about reinvention or possibly in the process of it. And if you really are interested in digging deep, come on over to coveyclub.com where we talk about reinvention a lot. We talk about every facet of it, how to reinvent your life, how to reinvent your body, how to reinvent your relationship, how to reinvent your attitude with your kids. We go the whole routine and we do careers, we do everything. We have Q and A's for you already there that are all about um, reinventing your personal brand, everything you need, all the tools are there. And then we also do masterminds. We do positive mornings, which is getting you off to a great thinking process every week. Um, we start that on Monday. Those are our little coaching sessions. Anyway, we do an awful lot on reinvention. Come on over, visit us at coveyclub.com, and I hope that we can get you reinventing right away. Take care.